Welcome to Heart Speak Podcast, episode 195, The Healing Power of Sound. Welcome to the Heart Speak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, it's so good to be back with you. Hope you enjoyed the solstice, whether it was your winter or summer solstice. And today we're looking at sound and music. And before we start, I need to admit that my musical skills did not go further than playing the recorder when I was a young girl. I will never become a great musician. I know that's not in my genes, but I admire any of you who know how to play music and, and bring me the gifts of the joy of listening to you. And I have, over the years, experienced so many wonderful musicians who have used music as a form of therapy. And I'm always the first person to step forward and say, okay, try it out on me, let's go. And I know what works for me, and I know what doesn't work for me. And some of you have maybe been in that same place. And others of you may just like listening to music, have your favorite musicians, favorite group, and also know that how music changes your moods. So you may hear a piece of music and you might actually say, wow, I feel a bit more depressed than I was before I started listening. Or maybe you use music to lift your spirits, lift your energy. Sometimes we play music to actually let some anger out or to let some energy out. I'm a great believer in that. And sometimes we use music to calm us down, to help us to sleep. So whether we're aware of it or not, music has this profound effect on us. I was fascinated as I've learned more and more about music, about how we actually give a baby a rattle as their almost first instrument. Isn't that true? Something they shake, something that creates this sound that actually breaks up the vibration around them. And what I learned was that we give them a rattle to literally help them to be here on this earth and to actually let go of some of their connections just to the spirit world. So fascinating how we still do some of these things without realizing what we're doing. The singing of lullabies, the different sounds that we make to a baby. We often ooh to a baby. We don't always ah to a baby or ee to a baby. And that I've learned that the different tones will affect the different chakras. This was really the teaching of Jonathan Goldman. And that when we say ooh to someone or we coo to someone or baby, we're making that sound that affects the sacral chakra. And the sacral chakra is about the womb, of course. And this baby has just come from that place. But it's also about relationship. It's about connection. It increases the, the bonding between us and the baby. So it, we know this inherently, and yet we're not always taught it. Another sound we might make is ah. And when we sound that ah, we may actually stroke the arm of the individual. Ah, oh, calm down. Ah, oh, it's okay. Why are we stroking the arm? It's because the heart meridian runs down the arm, as many people learn from 
having a heart attack, that's often it's moving the energy down their arm. And when we stroke the shoulder, stroke the arm, we're actually calming the heart down. And at the same time, we're making that sound, which is, ah, it's okay, ah. It's so beautiful to know that we have this resonance within us as what is needed at that time. And I've worked with people like Sherry Edwards, a very brilliant woman who understood that we have a signature sound. We, we often make a sound at different times in our life. And she was so right when I listened to her, when she said that if you hear a child, they often have a sing or a song, that da, 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 whether they're happy, whether they're in pain. Sometimes we hop around when we're in pain going, oh, 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 oh. And she said, these sounds are natural to us as a healing method to pass beyond that pain. And she was right when she said, well, actually what happens as we grow up, we're told be silent, be quiet, don't shout, don't scream, don't let out your emotions. And yet children, if you watch them, especially the very young ones, have all these different sounds, happy sounds, painful sounds, joyful sad. Oh, oh. And when we make sounds, we're actually releasing energy. We are allowing ourselves to express that feeling, but also we're healing the part of us that's hurt. And so next time you might hurt yourself, try singing to that, try singing to the pain. And obviously to teach your children that this is okay to make sound. And I remember when I used to deliver babies, and this goes on from our last week, I would often listen as the women would make sounds as they were in labor and delivering, different sounds. And it was only later that I learned that the perineum, which is where the vagina is, the vulva is, the opening for that baby to come through, links through what we call a conceptual line in meridian terms in in Chinese medicine, goes to the tongue. So when we open our mouth, we make that sound, we actually are opening our perineum, opening the vaginal opening, we're helping the baby to be delivered. And I remember a, a gentleman coming in and when I was working in the hospitals and that this was a natural birth, I want to say, and the woman was being told to keep quiet by some of the nurses because she was so loud. But he came in and said, just let it all rip, my friend. And she did. And the baby just shot out. And, and this is something that we forget, is that the body knows how to do this. And sound brings healing just through our voice. So I've had the pleasure and privilege to tone and sound in so many sacred sites. And it's not me walking into a sacred site and saying, I'm going to make this sound, which is where we really make a bad decision when we go to a church. It isn't for us to sing in that church. We need to be sung by the church. The energy of these ancient churches especially have their own resonance. And when we enter into an ancient site, some of our churches I know in Britain have that energy, or the Gothic churches, we literally, if we stand still and empty our minds, empty ourselves of what we want to sing and let the church and the stones of that church sing us, 
we are in harmony with whatever design the building was created for. In other words, we are one with God. We are one with the divine. And so within the mechanism, the design of different buildings was for us to find unity with the, the design of that place, resonance with the design of that place to bring healing. And this is true of any building. And many times we're not understanding that a hospital or a health center is not actually being designed in an architectural way that we are resonating with the, the method of healing. And this might be a design that I might have mentioned before, a design like a Vesica Pisces or a Golden Mean. So many of these sacred geometries were, all you had to do was to walk into them and you were being sung, you were being vibrated to your state of healing. What a difference our world would be if we understood this mechanism. And of course, if we look at Emoto's work, the wonderful Japanese uh, inventor and the desired researcher, where he showed how emotions have an effect on water. And he really took these ideas from someone called Hans Jenny, who had already shown that sound has an effect on sand, but also on water, so that when we sound, through our own bodies, which are 70% water, we're literally sending a message into that water, vibratory message, which is influencing everything in our body. So when we feel sad and we're, we're making that sound, we're, we're vibrating our water to create a change. And before you say, well, there's, that's a bad emotion. No, no, there's only bad emotions are the ones that we keep inside us or we sound inappropriately. So there's a right time to be sad. There's a right time to be angry. There's a right time to be fearful. It's when we don't express it that we end up with problems. And that we know very clearly. When we express the emo appropriate emotion at the appropriate time, we actually bring healing to ourselves. And so sounding through that water allows ourselves to bring healing. And we know that different sounds will actually create disharmony or dissonance, but even that can be helpful. Sometimes the sounds or that we don't like are actually the ones that we need to allow into our being because there's a dissonance that it's resonating with within ourselves. So maybe I just translate that more easily for myself into color. So I've done a lot of color therapy and color healing. And I remember seeing this one color that was flashed in front of me in, in a particular project. And it was a sort of reddy brown. And I was like, oh, let's move on from reddy brown. I hate this color. <laughs> but when I learned later that the red brown color was associated with feeling overly responsible, which is me, I understood that that red brown, even though I didn't want it around me, was actually showing me that I needed healing in that area. And what Sherry Edwards learned was that each of us has a signature sound. And she also showed that when we are stressed, some of the sounds disappear from our language. So that when we are traumatized, we may notice that the tone of our voice becomes what we call atonal. 
So we speak very much on one level and there is no, there is no balance. There is nothing else happening. And she was very wise to show that when we block some of the notes in our language, it's really because we are not wanting to get in touch with that emotion. But when we hear a sound that actually allows us to open to that emotion, even though it's, it feels a little scary, it allows us to go into our healing mode. And many of you may have had that experience, something you heard, some, something you resonated with, even though it was uncomfortable, actually brought healing. That might have been a word someone mentioned, or it might have been a song, or it might have been a color. So feeling a little uncomfortable with something is not always the reason to, to say no more of it. Sometimes we just need it in smaller doses. So let's just look at some of the practical ways in which sound has effect. And one of the reasons I'm talking about this is that I found a wonderful lady here in Albuquerque who does what we call acutonics, which is to use tuning forks on the acupuncture points. Now, I enjoy acupuncture very much, but I kind of enjoy it when I haven't got that needle there. And I enjoy the tuning forks. And I've been around some master users of tuning forks and found the healing is profound. I work very well with sound to bring healing. But this marvelous lady that I found who works with me, and I find that those high frequencies that she's using, that from an acutonic point of view, are associated with different planets, which I love, or different energies that are out there in the cosmos. I find they really change my environment very quickly. My energy field relates very quickly to them. I can literally feel the energy flowing more easily through my meridians. And so acutonics is one way, tuning forks, acupuncture, of course, but using different sounds that enter into different points is a really beautiful thing. I've also seen tuning forks used on reflexology points. And obviously, you can use tuning forks that aren't necessarily placed on a point, but just within your field. It's, a, it's an art to be able to do this. I have in simple ways, and some of my workshops, some of you may have been present in them, is just to use your heart own hand and tone into your own hand and sometimes use the tone of ah. So you might go, And if you move your hand away and towards you, backwards and forwards, one might say, towards your mouth or away from it, you actually find the, the right R that resonates with you. So it might be, or you might go, and in between all those, you will find that there's one particular R or O or O that feels really good and you know the distance that is really comfortable for you. In, in other words, how far are you from your mouth? Using sound, just reverberating back into our system is so powerful. So it's not, as I say, just about making the R sound, but when you use your hand in front of your mouth, you're actually allowing yourself to be showered, marinated in that color. Same way as I was speaking about being in a building or a church, that sound is reverberating back to you like a, a standing wave. So acutonics is one way. We also know that sound can be used to block the pain pathways. So 
it's a similar idea to acupuncture where you actually are using sound and closing the gate, as we would say, so that the pain isn't so intense or doesn't get up to the brain. Sound can be used in that way. I also learned from John Reed, who is a master of sound and music therapy, that when we hum, we produce nitric oxide, which apparently is really good for healing of our sinuses, of our lungs, of our cilia, of the nerve endings of the lungs and how the lungs are able to move uh, waste products out of, out of our body, as does the sinuses. We often find that we're coughing and it's a good thing. Our cough reflex is a very powerful one to get rid of any energy we don't need or anything we don't need. So he was saying how humming is really good for increasing the nitric oxide and increasing the lung function and the sinus function. I found that fascinating because often we use that humming as a way of clearing the sinuses. And if, if you just want to practice, you can with your mouth closed, please. You'll feel the sinuses light up. These are found up in the forehead, in the cheeks, et cetera, and, and the part of the back of the head as well. And those sinuses are the places where we may get inflamed, where there's a lot of problems, but it's also where we sound, uh, where we hear ourselves. So it's that ability to clear our thoughts. I'm thinking of people who tell me they have brain fog or they have problems with their lungs. Simply humming is a marvelous way of clearing those lungs. And obviously at this time, that's been a really important feature. We also know that singing or, or music actually increases the uptake of oxygen into your hemoglobin. That's an important part. And we also know that if you play music in a dental or an operating theater, and I know I've had this experience myself, the dentist or the surgeon is calmer and everybody's calmer. And obviously the operation goes better. Now, I've also been around people who have taken music into the operating theater or asked this piece of music to be played because it helps their healing process. And I think that's wonderful as long as the surgeon or the dentist actually feels they can listen to that type of music. And then we also know that uh, they started to play some classical, nice classical music, I'll say, on the platforms of train stations and found that everybody got calmer. So we can play music in a way that is really harmonious. Now, I worked uh, a lot with someone who worked a lot of, with different types of music and found that the more synthetic the music, the less easy it was for us to work with. So he would take music into hospitals, but it was often orchestral music, music that had been created. And I think that's very true because when we listen to synthetic music, Maybe you're walking around a shop, you're like, oh, please turn that off. Just too much music there that is not helping me. So we're very sensitive to this. And one of the reasons is that our cells, our 30 trillion cells, are all vibrating. They're all sentient, which means that they're sensitive and they communicate with each other along these electromagnetic lines, which are connected to what we understand as infrared spectrum so that our cells are not quiet, they're not, they're not unaware of what's happening. And so as we're talking about this, music can change our cellular function. 
And a lot of it works on a level where we are not conscious or our uh, range of hearing is not such that we can hear those sounds. I love listening to whale sounds and dolphin sounds, but our range is relatively small compared with such, such a thing as a, a dolphin or a whale or a bird. We think we're so sophisticated, but this range of our ears is, is very limited. And so what I understand is that there are so many sounds that it's not our ears are picking up on, it's our heart, it's our cells are picking up on them. And they will change or be changed by that sound. Now, other things that I have learned about sound are that we have an ability to feel better, not only on the cellular level, but also on the energetic level. So I've worked with things such as the Tibetan music bowls or the Tibetan bowls, which were originally apparently uh, used as containers for a fat, a tallow, the, and then it was a candle so that they actually filled these bowls with fat, which they could then burn and have a candle for a long time. In fact, when I was in Nepal, I picked up a few of these Tibetan bowls never realizing how important they would be for me for sound. As you may also have crystal bowls there, another form. But I remember going to someone years ago who had all these Tibetan bowls, and he said what he found was, even though he had many bowls, the one important one was to place it on the heart. And he said, when I place that bowl on the heart, everything comes into balance. And that made great sense to me we can find the bowl or the sound that resonates with our heart, every cell wants to then integrate, resonate with that one sound. I've also found it useful when I go for my acutonics to have a sound played in my root chakra, the chakra under my feet, not the base, what many call the base chakra, because when I'm rooted, everything comes into alignment for me. And I think that's why so many people feel better when they are listening to whale sounds or what we call the didgeridoo. These very bass sounds are very balancing for us because they're very similar to the sounds we heard as a baby within our mother's womb. Her heartbeat resonates at the same tone as the whales and the didgeridoo. Now, just when I'm talking about different tones, you may know that the standard A note is 440, but actually it should be 432 hertz. And I've watched different people describe why that's true, and I'm not going to explain it geom uh, geometrically, but it is a truth that the standard setting as 440 is actually dissonant to us. 432 hertz of the standard A is much more harmonious, healing, calming. You may like, wish to actually listen to see what sort of music helps you. Now, there are other sounds, very low frequency sounds, that we often find something around 90 hertz, 100 hertz, that when this is sounded in a sacred site, this changes our brainwave patterns. Of course, everything changes our brainwave patterns to a certain degree. But it's often found that these different uh, sites like the West Kennet Lombara and other sites were actually designed that 
a very deep male voice would start a vibration in these places that would change the mind to being mind altering and literally being able to be more sensitive to the spirits around them. So everything has an effect on our body, on our mind, bringing us into a place where we start to find there's healing at whatever level we need. Some of you may have come across Monroe's work with a balancing that he produced sound waves, binaural sound waves, where it wasn't about a left or a right brain sound being heard, but a balance between the two, a balance at what we call the corpus callosum, the center of the brain. And just listening to Monroe's music is a wonderful way of calming ourselves, balancing ourselves. The Monroe Institute is a fascinating place to visit. Other pieces of music, such as Gregorian chants, I've listened to those many a time and found that the Gregorian chanting, and that's maybe something you've not heard much of, but please do look this up, it stays within a range of human hearing. So it allows us to be balanced without going outside that, that place that we feel comfortable. And so as many times the classical musicians that we know were gifted in understanding the power of music to heal or to, to bring emotions to the surface or to change us. And that's why we call them classical musicians, because their music hasn't failed. Whether you're listening to Mozart, who is seen as one of the greatest healing sound composers, whether you're listening to someone else, their music, you may or may not you know, always agree with it, but it stood the test of time because every one of us understands its power to heal. And I remember reading or learning about the fact that if we look at our DNA, our DNA actually is made up of what we call bases. And these bases repeat themselves throughout our DNA patterns, our genes. But I listened to someone who had actually produced music from that DNA. Different pieces of DNA or RNA produce different pieces of music. What's happened here, I might say, with the COVID virus is it actually has a, a new base put into it or a new energy that is not part of our original setting. But I go back to my original story that you could play a piece of DNA and a specifically a gene that related to a specific illness so that when you could look at that gene, you would say, ah, oh, where well, someone who has a problem with that gene will have this particular illness. And so what they found was in many of the classical, wonderful composers, playing that piece of, that piece of gene as a piece of music they would find that these composers had put this piece of music, these short stretches of music into their music over and over and over again. So if it's just they were playing that gene, it might be da-da-da, and they kept finding da-da-da in someone who perhaps was deaf. And what they found is that the composer was trying to heal their own deafness by constantly putting da-da-da into their music. Fascinating. And that 
if we use that, for instance, for diabetes or some of the other genetic problems, we could bring healing right away. Sound healing is vibrational, not only to what we, I've been talking about, our emotions, ourselves, but to our DNA. Sound affects it at the very core of our being. And that DNA, just to say, is not this static experience. It's, it's too, is conscious, it's information. So when that information or that consciousness is slightly out of alignment, if you send in a message that brings it back into alignment, you bring healing. This is no different than the idea that if you have a tuning fork that is out of, one that's out of harmony, one that's in, and you play the one that is in harmony, is pure, the one that's out of harmony for whatever reason will entrain back into its normal state. Literally a tuning fork that is vibrating at a resonance that is harmonic and in harmony will cause everything around it to come back into balance. This is similar to what we talked about when I spoke about the power of monatomic gold. When you find that right frequency, everything wants to align back into its natural state. That's the desire of, of everything within in the universe. Nothing wants to be in dissonance. Everything wants to return. Everything wants to find its way back into harmony. And sometimes, as I said, we need to emphasize the dissonance in order to bring it back into harmony. So I've shared various ways of bringing healing. I hope some of those methods will be something that you would use, whether it's toning, whether it's singing in your shower, whether it's listening to music, whether it's toning into your hand and feeling that, that vibration coming back to you, going to a sacred place and toning, using Tibetan bowls or crystal bowls or tuning forks or any other methodology that I have experienced. They are all there for us. And they are not just something to be done as a hobby or something to be done out of awareness. We are, first and foremost, resonant, vibratory beings. The way we speak is actually affecting the relationship we have with other people. The way we think is affecting the resonance around us. When I sound something, I sound an intention out into the world, I am creating something. When I choose to take out that sound or not have that intention, that something that I created in an atomic or molecular form starts to return back to its quantum level. It's, mon it's, it's below the atomic, subatomic levels. So sound creates. And as Jonathan Goldman would say, just to complete, he says intention plus frequency equals healing, but it also equals creation. When I sound an intention, when I speak it or write it, it creates something. When I take that frequency away or that sound away, it, it dissolves and disappears. So if you don't want to keep repeating patterns through your belief systems, Stop saying whatever it is you're saying. I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough. I'm not loved. Every time we create frequency with intention, we create a reality. If you don't want to create that, 
stop saying it. I am loved. I do deserve that, is how our body starts to say, okay, she's resonating with a different frequency. We'll create that in her life now. And so I complete with that. I hope you enjoyed a journey around sound and music and we'll draw more of that into your life. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of HeartSpeak.